Welcome to Big Boy Movies, a podcast about movies and the big boys who watch them. I'm one of your big boys, Matt Beebe. And I'm another one of your big boys, John George. And here we are, awoken from our very long slumber. As, as the prophecies foretold, in, in the summer of 2020, no movies would come out at all, and both of us would be sort of tired from quarantine. <laughs> and... Uh, and so we stopped for a while, but now we're back. <laughs> and BB, I played Last of Us 2 for sure. I actually did play it, but it's been so long that I forgot it all. So I'm probably just going to have to replay it um, before yeah, we do Yeah, no, I, I well, they just released the uh, <laughs> the permadeath mode for it. So I figure you can go back and just play through the whole yeah. thing without dying. Yeah, that's probably what I'm going to um, do. I, I'm just not comfortable doing an episode on it because I have forgotten it all. We just waited too long, so... Yeah, it's it's fair. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll tell you what. Once you beat the permadeath mode, just send me a screenshot of that trophy so we can verify for all the fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tweet um, it out for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, true story. I platinumed Last of Us Two, and I never tweeted it out. I usually do that. Come on, um, how are people gonna know? I platinumed Last of Us Two and Ghost of Tsushima uh, while we were away, and uh, I I've been. I've been free of, of vanity and hubris. I have not posted either of those on Twitter. <laughs> you didn't want the clout for that. Those ones for you, you know? Those, yeah, those, those, ones... those platinums were for me. <laughs> They're not for everyone else. I did else. those for me. They're not for everyone else. They don't get to see it, all right? Um, I am, I'm glad you brought it up because I still do want to do that Last of Us 2 episode because that game is still um, one of the best things I've ever played and I want to talk about it. Uh, but no rush. We are, you know, we're on, on uh, summertime. We're on... Yeah. Ocean time, baby. Once, once I leave my parents abode, I guarantee it will be a lot. I will be a lot quicker to the trigger on this one. It's just my brother plays PS4 a lot. Uh, so it's yeah. hard to uh, it's hard to figure out a time when the PS4 is free for myself. Uh, and also I'm tired and still have a job and a lot of other things I'm doing. So, um, but yeah, we're still streaming this live on Twitch, by the way. Um, and we got we got a lot of new people in chat. I'm excited. And apparently, is, yeah. is Bethany actually here? Because if Bethany is here, that would be super exciting. If you don't know who Bethany is, uh, BB, because you probably don't, she is infamous <laughs> in the HeadGum Discord channel. Um, maybe one of the top 10 best people I've ever met in my life. Okay, oh, Bethany wow, that's great. Here. Well, welcome, Bethany. Also, I gave my <laughs> friend Mark a timeout for linking one of my tweets. So uh, beware, I have that power. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. Um Sorry, Mark. You'll, you'll get back in here after the timeout. Uh, but yeah, back to the podcast. We're doing Scott Pilgrim versus the world today, BB. I've already talked about this on the podcast a little bit. We're, we're doing a yes. full episode. Yeah, it made the big feature in your best of the decade list. And uh, it's the 10-year anniversary. And Edgar Wright has been sharing a bunch of stuff on Twitter about production of the movie and all that. And so it felt like the right time to uh, come back and and revisit an old classic that we both loved in high school. Yeah, time to see if it it helped. I mean, I've watched this movie every... I think I watched it twice last year. Like, I watch it every year. So, it, yeah. it's not... This, it, but time this to is see the first it. time in a few years that this, I've seen it. This is the first time of a, of a new decade, you know? So, mm. it, it, it could have had a different impact on me. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but usually, before we get into our review, we do our uh, a recap uh, of movies that uh we watched uh i don't have many of those because i haven't really watched a movie since <laughs> we, we did the last one because again they're not really making those anymore i'm honestly uh, tenet's starting to get reviews but i haven't seen that it's really it's getting reviews actually 
So when is it supposed yeah, to Yeah, so people have been reviewing Tenet. I don't know where they're watching it. Probably not in America, but um, yeah, it's out there in the wild now. I'm jealous, to say the least. Yeah, I'm also jealous. Uh, it, it seems like it's just press screenings right now, and then they'll probably do an international release for countries that actually like have their shit together. So we'll we'll have to wait a little while for that. I'm mad. <laughs> BB, you pissed me off yeah. now. So <laughs> Yeah, well these are these are mad times, unfortunately, <laughs> that we're living in. Um I did I have watched I've rewatched a lot of movies. I think my last seven um watches have been rewatches at this point. Um it's because my my family really likes to just throw movies on at random points. And they're all movies we've seen before. They never like watching new movies, so Yeah. Um, so I have a bunch of rewatches. Like Mean Girls, I rewatched, and it was about the first time my mom ever watched it, and she really oh, wow. liked it. Um, I also yeah, it's a very mom it. movie. Yeah, I I like that movie a lot. Rewatched Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Um, very good. Love that movie. Rewatched Moneyball. Still love that movie. Um, good movie. Uh, rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, which I actually want to talk about. Weird briefly. choice. Um, okay, because I actually liked it more this time around. I don't know if I had like a stick up my ass or something the first time I watched it <laughs> because I was like, wait, why did I hate on this movie so much? I actually don't see that much wrong with it. I still think. Yeah, I definitely. Go ahead. You can go. I definitely didn't like it as much as the first one. Yeah. I didn't think it was bad. It, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was unique for me because it was one of the first movies, not one of the first, but like. It was a movie that I came out of and was like, um, I was like, oh, so they can just do anything now. Like anything can happen and there's no restrictions. There's no, how do we do this? It's literally just James Gunn can write big Pac-Man fights planet face (laughs) and that's in the movie now. And it's just like, well, the CG guys do that. So that was kind of my thing is it Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in a lot of ways felt like too much for me, but I still enjoyed it overall. Yeah, I agree. I still like the first one better, but I definitely enjoyed it more this time. The the last time I was like, God, this is that's when I like kind of was mad because I always out of Marvel. I always liked Guardians of the Galaxy at least. So when the second one came out and I was like, I don't like this one that much. Now I was like full, I was on like full hate Marvel mode after it. But yeah, I was sitting down yeah. watching this. wasn't as bad as I, as I remembered. Um, I thought the stakes were maybe too high, but the stakes are too high in like every superhero movie now. Um, yeah, it, it was better than I thought. And that's, that's a little recap of the month since we've recorded an episode, I guess for me, I'm not yeah. sure if on the last um, episode I mentioned I rewatched rush hour as well which isn't that significant if you ask me <laughs> okay uh yeah i just want a quick shout out uh uh Kazikin says they liked guardians of the galaxy 2 way better um which i've heard from a few people yeah. i don't think that's a super uncommon opinion and uh it kid also says that the stuff about parenting comes through better in a rewatch I agree with that. um which i I haven't uh, rewatched it as much, and that's probably something I would pick up on more if I did, if I were so inclined to watch the movie again. Uh, um, and I agree that Spider-Man is like, I think that's one of the best IP to like do low stakes stuff with, honestly, because he seems like he's in his, yes. in most of the Spider-Man stuff I watch, he seems like he's in his own world. It's just like in Marvel, now everything's connected, so everything does feel a lot more high stakes i like it when we like go off into like a separate superheroes world kind of yeah yeah 
Absolutely. I, I think the Spider-Man game that came out uh, two years ago did a really great job of smaller stakes. Like there was still a big thing threatening New York City, but it was the story felt very personal and intimate. So it, it worked on that level. Um, and I think that's similar with the Raimi movies, too. They're very they're smaller stakes, even if technically like all of New York City is in danger. The world, arguably with Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kazakin Spider-Man PS4 is amazing. Uh, I should talk briefly because even though I didn't watch any movies, I did consume media over our break. So I'll bring <laughs> it up uh, quickly. Uh, you know, I'm the I'm the cool guy. Everyone who hasn't listened before, I'm the cool guy who does other <laughs> kinds of media <laughs> besides movies. movies. Um. So, uh, most importantly, I want to mention. Uh, actually, I'll do the the quick stuff first. Uh, I got I started playing Bloodborne again. I finally finished my second playthrough, which took forever. Uh, Bloodborne's a masterpiece, and I'm starting the DLC now. So that's that's just a little personal thing for me. That's a treat for me, everybody. Um, and then the other thing that's more related to our podcast um, is I started watching Cowboy Bebop, um, which is an anime. I'm super late to this train because it came out in 1998. <laughs> uh, people who know me know that I'm not really that into anime. I don't watch very much of it. Um, but Cowboy Bebop has really grabbed me in a way that not a lot of anime has. And so I've just been super into it. It's I'm about halfway through the first season, which is good because there's only one season. So it's not like I have to, uh, you know, commit to like a one piece where it's like a thousand episodes. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd give Cowboy Bebop a little shout out. Um, I'm very much enjoying it. I think I told you before the main voice actor in the dub is the same guy who does the voice of brimstone in valor oh yeah yeah you said so it was it was very jarring in the first few episodes (laughs) when spike starts talking i'm like what who is that man like i've heard that before brimstone's Um, yeah it's it's brimstone playing a very different character um but yeah, and there's a corgi in Cowboy Bebop, as Mark points out. Uh, Mark has a corgi, uh, and the corgi is very good. I love that character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's been my main thing. I've been going, still getting through Fargo too. But I've talked about that a lot here. Yeah. So uh, Fargo season yeah, four. If you're so. not super into anime like me, I would also recommend Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I might have to check that out because I am not super into anime. I think Pokemon and like Yu-Gi-Oh are the only anime I've watched, which is sad yeah and i watched it, the beginning it reminds of, me what's the beginning of attack on titan is that what it's called i watched like the first yes. two episodes and then i gave up because i was like yeah maybe not for me i guess <laughs> i don't know yeah i i also tried attack on titan i couldn't get super into it um what i what i really like about cowboy bebop is it reminds me a lot of uh the hellboy comic which i'm really really into i think that's mm-hmm. probably my favorite comic series ever uh, in the sense that like Hellboy stories are all very short stories kind of connected, but mostly disconnected. And they're just like a character. I really like Hellboy going on a fun adventure. And that's similar with Cowboy Bebop. It's the crew of the Bebop and they have these different space Western adventures uh, that are all really interesting. Nice. So that's that's sort of what's been keeping me going with that. Yeah, I might have to check that one out then. <sighs> Exciting. And Fargo season four is supposed to come soon. I'm pretty sure been seeing yeah, trailers with stuff. chris rock yeah chris rocks in it yeah um but i still need to finish season three i guess you don't really need to finish seasons because they're all different but yeah it's true um, um oh hey john i just noticed um uh 
Simp Fart Boy in chat says it's time for Critics Corner. Do you see that one? Oh, yeah. I might not be getting that one. You see that? I don't see it. Yeah, no, I, it might be unique to me. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, oh, okay. I, I can't speak for sure. Wow, they're really spamming PogChamp a lot. They're so excited for Critics Corner. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Simp Fart Boy. Oh, there. The Red Penguin is echoing, saying, <laughs> yeah, look, a PogChamp. Wow, look at that. It's time for Critics Corner, everybody. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so glad. Um, now, we, of course, today are uh, reviewing Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and so has a lot of people. Uh, across this great planet of ours, a lot of really high-level critics that I'd like to point out. And while I was uh, looking through uh, some of these reviews, while I was down in the mines, uh, spelunking for Critics Corners, I noticed a common theme in a lot of these Scott Pilgrim reviews, uh, which is they're they're a little bit incelly. Oh, they're a God. little bit... There, there, there are quite a few people who uh, really took the nerdiness of this movie to heart. And we're not super happy with how they represented it. Okay. So I've got a bit of a long one today. I'm and I hope you'll indulge me. It's a bit of a journey, but the ending made me laugh out loud when I read it the first time. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to present to you this Critics Corner. This uh, Critics Corner comes from Insane Samurai on Metacritic. They give Scott Pilgrim a 3 out of 10. Okay. Um, and, and here's the other thing. I will say I... I almost tacitly agree with some of the criticisms in this review. Um, so I don't think this is all bad, but the ending, again, really ties it all together. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's hear it. Let's, hear let's get it. through this. Insane Samurai says, Wow, I have no idea how so many people like this movie, as it's mediocre at best. Yes, I'm a nerd too. Yes, it's neat they reference some video game stuff. Is that really supposed to be enough for me to root for a total ass of a main character? From the start, this guy has a girlfriend who really loves him, and he ditches her all of a sudden because he likes some other girl more for having some short conversation with her. We also learn that the way he was, uh, that he was dating the drummer of his band and ditched her for some reason. Not to mention, he learns that the new girl he wants is a whore. <laughs> Not to mention that. Important. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He really likes how she looks or something, so he sticks with her. Seriously? Random video game references are enough for everyone to ignore the fact that the main character of this movie is a total jerk who doesn't care about the women around him. Uh, oh, wait. Correction. Uh, is a total jerk who doesn't care about any of the women who have miraculously cared about him. Here's the last paragraph. <laughs> Newsflash. Us nerds do not get attention from females like that. <laughs> not even close. Making the main character the focus of so much female attention and having him basically ignore them and treat them like crap is reprehensible. But apparently the seven plus million points at the end made up for it? Sigh. John, us nerds can see through this. Us, me and you, We don't get the nerds, attention from women. I, a woman has never even looked in my direction and Michael Sarah gets three? Come in one movie? Come on. That is unrealistic. This guy's a jerk. I'm a nice guy. This dude nerd. Sucks. He was in a very cool relationship with an underage girl. <laughs> and he ditched her and he left her. He wasn't so us nerds love dating underage girls. <laughs> <laughs> I would stay with her a hundred percent. Oh my god. <laughs> god. Um 
Yeah. That's brilliant, honestly. <laughs> this is a hard-hitting expose on Edgar Wright and and his attack on nerds and our culture. <laughs> Unrealistic, honestly. This Scott Pilgrim guy, he's not a nerd. All right. He's a, he's an asshole. No. For sure. So. He's an asshole and and he just all these women coming to him and he doesn't even care, man. <laughs> if I got if woman? I had three women coming to me, I would be so nice to them, they would have to love me. <laughs> I would never leave them, even if it was a bad situation for me personally. Like I just <laughs> if I ended up dumping them, I wouldn't get another girlfriend, obviously. So Yeah. Listen, when you're a beta male like me, you gotta take what you can get. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I love when I love the reviews in Critics Corner when you could just like tell something deep down is happening to that person. Oh yeah, and, there's like clearly a story behind that. Injected so much of that into their review, <laughs> you could clearly tell. <laughs> yeah, no, there there were a few others. A lot of them were actually comparing Scott Pilgrim to Twilight, um, which I thought was funny. I guess because they probably came out around the same time. Oh. And there's a choice. So they're like, this two. is t- Twilight for nerds or Twilight for boys. And I was like, eh, I've never actually kinda... consumed Twilight in book or movie form. So I, yeah. I don't know what all I know is there are two teams and you're either on Jacob or Edward. And that's it. Yeah, you got to You got to get there. <laughs> that's all I know about it. Um, Mark is saying it's accurate, but uh, it, twi- it is Twilight for nerds. So I guess I got to watch okay. Twilight. Isn't Fast and Furious Twilight for boys? Um, no. <laughs> I just did the math in my head, and I'm gonna say no. <laughs> if you're on Jacob's team, you're wrong. All right, I am team. I am team J- Jacob. So, or I was team Jacob. Now I'm team Edward. Now that Robert Pattinson's a kick-ass actor, and he's pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Listen, without without Twilight, we don't get Lighthouse. So <laughs> net win, I would say. I would say net win for sure. Net positive on society. I would absolutely say that win. Um, well, that's critics corner. Um, yeah. Is it time to predict some things about justice league possibly? Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, John, (laughs) tell me something. What? (laughs) Do you bleed? (laughs) Do you bleed? Please. John George, do you it's, bleed? This is such an awkward question. If I were Superman when Batman asked him that, it was such an awkward question. Like, what do you say to that? Like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you will. <laughs> also important to note that um, uh, Superman does say it back to Batman in Justice League. I know you haven't seen the yeah. movie, but that does happen. And I will never see the movie. I, uh, because of- Wow, we're doing two bits in a row. So uh, r- real quick, anyone who doesn't know, we're... Uh, the the world had said enough of the Justice League movie that we got, and they said, please, please give us Zack Snyder's true vision. And us as true uh, Snyder heads, as they like to call each uh, uh, ourselves, Snyder. Uh, we are creating a list of predictions we have for the Snyder cut of of the Justice League film. Love Snyder. Uh, this is our Snyder prediction segment. Segment. And uh, we come in uh, hot with things that will almost uh, be guaranteed to be in this uh, Snyder cut. Love so, Snyder. Um, Hail Snyder. Yes. Oh, it kid says Justice League big boy cut coming. I wish. We've been knocking on Zack Snyder's door every day to try and get that in. Uh, but he has not answered. Oh, absolutely not. I'm very upset. 
Um, I also maybe we should sit down Premiere Pro just edit our edit our own version. <laughs> you say that <laughs> I know a man personally who re-edited the Last Jedi in Premiere oh, because yeah. he hated it so I remember much. you telling me about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I I know that man, and it is a sad existence. So I don't know if I could bring myself. Also, apparently, the Joss Whedon cut cut so much out, we wouldn't have as much to work with. What we got to do is wait for the yeah, Snyder cut to come out, and then we we do the big boy cut based on that. Yeah, that's the play. Mark said we should do a commentary. Honestly, I would love to do a commentary of sorts on some film at some point. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I think that would be fun. Um. Um. Uh, but yes, why don't you go ahead you with me, yours? You want me to do mine first? I do have like a small prediction and then I have my actual prediction. My first small prediction is that the Snyder cut, everyone's saying it's longer. My prediction is it's going to be shorter, an hour, oh, an hour shorter. Interesting. An hour. That's <laughs> crazy because the first movie was an hour and 59 minutes. Yeah. So you're saying 59 minutes of the original cut, or, or is it like an hour of all new material? It's an that hour we didn't of all new material one. we did not see. Ah, uh, um, I think I see that. That's a that's a pretty unrealistic prediction, honestly. So I'll give you my actual real prediction here. Okay, um, please. So you know how in movies people get really they start paying attention when there's like ties family like if if it's a brother like in star wars you know it's like i'm your father you know like yeah, that's really yeah, yeah. big when people are related people are like oh this story means more <laughs> now because those two yeah, people audiences love it when people are related yeah so i think the big issue with joss with joss's version is most of the justice league they're not they're friends they're not related by blood or mm. whatnot so i think Zack snyder really wanted a first act that kind of really brought the justice league together you know like they're getting the justice league together but he wants one that really gets them together you know like mm-hmm. like their mm-hmm. blood they're tied in blood you know i really want to know where you're going with this so first off here's the first big thing that happens we find out um so the first scene actually is a wedding um and it is aquaman his, his mom is getting married to the Flash's dad, actually. Um, okay. So we, okay. so we kind of see that wedding happening, and, you know, they're becoming stepbrothers. We get some ref, maybe we get some tasteful references to um, Will Ferrell movie Stepbrothers um, here and there in that little scene. That'll be nice. So that's how they meet. That's how they end up meeting. Okay. They're stepbrothers now. Uh, and then we will cut. Um, and it's Batman in the lab. Um, and he, he actually, you know how Superman died in the last one or whatever? Uh, he actually was able to get some of Superman's hair, um, to do a nice little DNA test because, you know, Batman, for some reason he saw a striking resemblance in Superman to him. And he was like, what? We have to be related in some way. So he does a DNA test. Batman finds out. Um, Superman is actually Batman's dad uh, biologically. <laughs> so wait, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so, so Superman is actually Batman's dad. Yes, biologically. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh huh. I see. That would be a big twist. That would be a big twist. It would be, and it's in the first. This is still in the first act of the movie. All right. This is the second mm-hmm. scene. We're already fine. We're we're like holy shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is back to back. Quick cuts. Batman is his father is superman this is nuts um so you know batman gets all cry he's like my dad's dead no 
Um, <laughs> my other dad he's lost two fathers <laughs> yeah, now <yep. laughs> um okay and then um wonder woman's in justice league right somehow yes she is okay um <laughs> somehow yes she she's around and then we find out somehow it's not specified i like i don't know i don't know what to do besides a dna test for this one. Oh no i figured it out so everyone gets together somehow like it's on accident or something i'm not sure but everyone gets together finally and they all, you know, they're all concerned. They're like, God, I found out I'm related to this person. And they're all like, we should just take 23 and me's figure out like exactly our bloodlines. Cause you know, um, and then they find out that they, they sort of deduce the math after the 23 and me's. And they find out that literally everyone in the justice league, um, wonder woman is like their great ancestor, um, in some way, literally all of them come from wonder woman's oh. bloodline. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Even though Wonder Woman comes from an island where there's only women, yes. and so they don't really procreate in that way. Yes, but eventually Wonder Woman procreates, obviously, because she's hot. Um, okay. And that's implied. That's true. She also does bang uh, Chris Pine in the yes. movie. Um, so, yeah, and that's the first act of the film. Uh, second, The second and third wow. act are basically the same as the Joss. Yeah, so. and think of the stakes now. <laughs> think of how much more drama there will be now that everyone is, is related to each yeah. other. I mean, I think that's that's why Snyder's got so much better now that everyone's related. Dude, like, Snyder's a genius, and I'm glad you deduced this uh, based <laughs> off of some empirical evidence and, and a deduction. Um, Snyder's going to be mad that we leaked that, but it's all right. He'll forgive yeah, us. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll, um, we'll he'll forgive us, and we'll thank him for forgiving us by leaking another thing. BB, time to leak a second thing. Yeah, well, it's not so. Again, this is Snyder predictions. We don't want to say we're leaking. Okay, okay. Um, we are just true fans of Zack Snyder and his Justice League. Um, so my thing is, if you're familiar with the Justice League movie, um, you'll know that Cyborg is also involved. Um, Cyborg, of course, uh, kind of gets shafted in this movie. They don't go too much into his origin. He doesn't have much to do. He's just kind of there. He's half man, half machine because of some alien box that ate his his body or whatever. Um, and if you note in one of the original trailers for the Justice League movie, there's a scene of Cyborg before he becomes a robot where he's playing football because he's a college athlete. And, but that doesn't appear in the movie. It never uh, shows up there. So I think Zack Snyder is really upset about that. He wants to give Cyborg the sort of attention he deserves. He does deserve more. And so, um, yeah, Shaft is a different black guy, Mark, but (laughs) Cyborg was also Shaft head. Um... So what we're going to get to make up for this is Zack Snyder is going to treat us to a full game of college football uh, in this new cut. Okay. Uh, we're going like to get long. so three deep. Hours long. Wow. Yes, it's going to be a three-hour game of football. It's going to go into overtime, too, for the extra drama, which is important. Um, and we're going to find out so much about Cyborg and his backstory now. Thank God, because Joss Whedon cut that out. He saw the three-hour football game in the original cut, and he said, no thanks, I hate art. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, uh, exactly we are going to finally get Cyborg's full game of football cut into this uh, Zack Snyder <laughs> present that he's gifting to us. Uh, I love it. Honestly, I love watching college yeah. football. I would go to a movie theater and watch college football, even if it's a fake game. Like, I'm- Yeah, because like, get this. Now you're getting the n- new audience in. All the nerds, because we are nerds, as yeah. we've established, they're going for comic books and Batman. <laughs> what about the, the down-home, red-blooded Americans who just want to watch some football? <laughs> Especially now when we're not getting it. 
you can watch a full game of football and then have it bookended with some Justice League story. I, I would like it if like Cyborg's just like bench the whole game too. Like he never gets in. That, that's <laughs> yeah, his backstory. He's like, just like so mad that he's not good at football because he's he's, he's he's in the starting lineup and then he kind of like tweaks his ankle on like the first pass <laughs> and he has to sit out and then we still see the entire rest of the game we're like well he's got to come back in eventually right but he never yeah, there's in. like cutaways where he gets like really mad because they pass the ball bad or whatever <laughs> yeah it'll it'll be a whole thing God, i like it it's a really good idea and i mean it's not a yeah. good idea it's already uh, a thing and it's gonna happen so Oh, absolutely. We are, you know, clairvoyant as far as Snyder predictions go. So I think that's pretty solid. one. Nostradamus is what they call me, actually. So, yeah. And he was always right about everything. Except 2012. So that's really good. So he wasn't right about 2012. He said the world was going to end. Yeah. Well, I was going to gloss over. I usually gloss over the things that that hurt my argument. He also yeah. was he also predicted 2012. The movie would be really good, but it wasn't it was bad. So. Oh, shit. I'm pretty pissed at it. So maybe they shouldn't call you Nostradamus because you are right. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, I'm so. Are we, are we ever going to actually watch? We're definitely going to have to have an episode of the Zack Snyder Cut. Right? <laughs> we guaranteed are going to have a full episode on the Snyder Cut. We've we've been over this. Oh, boy. Um, we're going to have a full episode and we're going to have to compile all our predictions and see how right we were. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna yeah we should just be writing these predictions down because i know at this pace we're just gonna have to like go back to each one of you and get right uh, since we have some new viewers if anyone out there is listening and they've been listening to some of our older episodes uh if you want to make a list and like send it to us that'd be cool too <laughs> please do work um, for we've us. only been doing it for a few episodes it would be less work for us and i hate i hate working yeah. so. i think we only have like two previous segments of that actually yeah, we have like I think two or three, yeah. so it's not it's not a crazy amount. We I I do remember one of them because you, I remember one was Batman's gonna or no Superman's gonna hang dong. That's yes, was one of yep. them, and then the other one you said uh, Donald Trump was gonna show up. Oh, at some I don't point. remember saying that, but I think that's a good prediction. So, yeah, that I will is take one credit for it. <laughs> yeah, um, let's should we talk about Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Uh, yeah, we should. We should talk about it. Let's do it. Um, okay. I, as far I've talked about it on this podcast before, because it was in my best of the decade list. This is one mm-hmm. of my favorite movies ever. Um, I love it. Um, just turn this on. I've actually, like, I feel like I recently watched it, but I technically didn't because I watched that uh, table read they had for charity. Uh, mm. which was maybe like two or three weeks ago at this point. Uh, so I, I, I had kind of rewatched it, but it was like a fresh watch because it was it was new content, even though they were just reading the script. And they, they left out some of the greatest parts. I was pretty pissed about that, but it was understandable because Crash and the Boys couldn't be there, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this rewatch, I enjoyed it again. I literally have seen this movie probably over 10 times at this point. Um, I didn't think much was going to change in my watch here, um, except this time I really paid attention to um, Kim a lot more. Honestly, I was very interested in Kim. Yeah. I was like, God, I wish I knew more about like Kim and Scott's background story uh, because I think that'd be that'd be cool. And I felt I felt really bad for Kim at a lot of points in this movie because I was like, I'm going to pay. Yeah, to Kim. she does have sort of like. I mean, she is sort of a, a victim of Scott in a way, just sort of his sort of shittiness that they get into. 
Um, Kim is also extremely yes, funny, as she, great Monorail oh, yeah. says. She has some great moments. Oh, yeah, very funny. Um, that actress just, like, shows up and stuff, and I always, I never remember that it's her, because she's so different oh, yeah. in this movie. Like, she's got the red hair, and she's always, like, scowling. And, yeah, Alison Pill is so different um, in everything else she's in. <laughs> she's nothing like Yeah. Kim. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I, I was... I was a little bit nervous coming into this episode, John. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason is I literally watched it today, just a few hours ago. Um, and I was like, I, I've actually also seen this movie many times. Uh, it's a movie that I generally like a lot. Um, this is probably like my fourth or fifth watch of it. And it's a movie that if someone hasn't seen it, will always be like, oh, you got to see it. Like it's Edgar Wright. It's super good. Uh, and watching it this time, I actually just noticed a lot more things that i didn't like as much drama um yeah so i was worried i was like oh are people gonna watch this episode like am i gonna alienate everyone (laughs) who like shows up here like oh fun movie podcast i'm gonna come in and be like your fave is garbage um (laughs) but it's not garbage uh and we'll get into it but overall i actually felt like this time watching it i just noticed how extremely fast the movie is um uh, basically to a fault it's so quick Every, and that's partially Edgar Wright's style and I love the way Edgar Wright cuts his editing is so much fun and so much of it works for the comedy but watching it again I just realized like how fast they have to get to every plot point because they're condensing six books into one movie True. and we can talk a little bit more about the mechanics of that because I I don't think there's a great solution for a movie adaptation of Scott Pilgrim, but that was my main thing is I, I was like, this movie doesn't feel like it has enough time for what it wants to do. Um, and so it goes so extremely fast that I was kind of falling off or like missing things at certain points. I would agree with that. I think at like one, like just going through, um, like the, the X's, like at one point it feels like they just speed through like a bunch of them to get to Gideon um yes that's that's something i was going to mention is like the katanagi twins get no time they they show up they fight them um and it's like they're they're nothing like that scene is literally nothing it's just we have battle of the bands we have to defeat these twins somehow let's just do it here and move on to the guy who's more important yeah um and i actually literally after finishing watching this I went and ordered the books because it's been years since I've read the books and I remember loving them at the time. So I want to like get a refresher on those because I know there's so much more like story and and lore in those that I want to kind of compare. There's got to be more story for the twins for sure. They got like nothing. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, they have a whole arc. I think they kidnap Ramona. Uh, Uh, No, Mark, I ordered the uh, black and white edition because I like the jokes they make about the book being black and white. Um (laughs) those are those are always fun um yeah the speed it definitely is fast i think like what i noticed this time around is that i felt like it took a longer time to get to like the actual x's too um yeah it takes a long time to get to them but that's that section's still super fast because um there's a lot of transitions where they're like skipping days pretty often which is i've mm. watched a video on that which is like on purpose, I guess, because Scott's just like drifting through life then, basically. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's super. I, I guess we should also warn like, we're just, I feel like we're just doing spoilers right away. 
<laughs> because it's 10 oh, years yeah. old. Oh, yeah. The movie's 10 years old. It's uh, We're doing spoilers. If you haven't watched it, uh, I highly encourage you to watch it. Uh, general opinion I'll give real quick is that I think it's good, um, but I think it's it's flawed. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and obviously, John has said it's one of his favorite movies of all yeah. time. So, so I think you should there talk. There you go. If you haven't watched you it, You should talk go more, maybe, than I should, I feel like. And then I'll talk about your points. Yeah. Let's do it that way. Yeah, sure. So um, I agree. The beginning, I think, is is strong. And it's a testament to Edgar Wright's editing and directing that they can convey the massive amount of information they need to convey in the amount of time that they have in that very beginning before they get to any of the X's. It's where I started noticing the speed, but it worked because of the comedy. Um, but like we have to establish Scott's dating a high schooler. He's kind of a loser. He has no job. Uh, Ramona shows up and he crushes on her. Uh, he's in a band. They want to get big. There's so much sort of going yeah. on that has to be set up. Um, and so I think they do a really good job with that. It's completely out of necessity because they have to have six unique fights in this movie before they can get to the conclusion. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to give a special shout out to the opening credits, which I think are super oh, amazing. I love them so much. Uh, I love the song. I love the style of the opening credits, the way they make the, they elongate the set to make knives sort of in that yeah. like telescopic hallway yeah. is so cool. Um, and that's all Edgar Wright. Like his style is amazing. Edgar Wright's one of my favorite directors, uh, period. Uh, I, I think hot fuzz is probably my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Um, but yeah, where do we go from the intro? We get all that information. Uh, they introduce the subspace highway, which is a bigger thing in the books, which they kind of gloss over in the movie, which I think is kind of weird because they give it so little attention. It almost feels like that it didn't necessarily need to be there. Like they didn't have to explain how Ramona skated around so fast or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just like a cool visual thing to me and it didn't, it didn't need explanation for me because I thought it was just like a cool little thing they put in there, but I would imagine they had more explanation for it in the book. Yeah, they they gloss over it because they realize it's just not that important to the story they're trying to tell. It helps because it's like the girl of his dreams and she literally appears in his dreams because she has like interdimensional powers, Mm -hmm. I guess. American powers. She (laughs) makes a note like, oh, I forgot you guys don't have that in Canada. (laughs) Us Americans, you know, Um, we can do so much. Yeah. uh, So... And then it's just straight into the fights. Uh, Crash and the boys are great. Everything with Wallace is God, great. Wallace is uh, still might be my favorite character. Um, I think every. I think when I I rewatched one time in college, and I think Wallace was the one who eventually bumped it up to five stars for me because I just love Wallace. He's so funny. Yeah, his he's so well written. He's so yeah. funny. That scene where uh, Knives shows up to the Battle of the Bands with Ramona there, <laughs> and everyone's like stealing glances at each yeah. other and Wallace steals a <laughs> yeah. glance at Anna Kendrick's boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> it's so perfectly timed. It reminds me of that Arrested Development bit where Job has his puppet Franklin <laughs> and in the limo with him and the security guard is like staring at Franklin. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Um, but yeah, the uh, I guess the ultimate thing for me is the biggest criticism I've said is just like 
because it's so fast and because they have to focus on the fights, which are generally very good, it feels a lot like oh, kicker in the balls this is a great line, Mark. Um, it feels like uh, Ramona gets very much sidelined and she loses a lot of agency in the story, um, which I think at the time being a teen, I didn't think about as much. But now seeing as her being kind of the central female character. Uh, there are a lot of moments where I'm like, uh, like, why isn't she involved? Like, why isn't she sort of doing something? I, I understand like the meta, the greater metaphor here. Um, and it's more Scott's story, but especially towards the end, Ramona is literally just watching, uh, Gideon and Scott fight. And she has like a micro trip put in her brain. So she literally can't do anything. And I'm like, give her something. I don't like the micro trip, by the way, this time around, I was like. I like the microchip. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that for sure. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Ramona has, I feel like we barely know anything about Ramona either, except she's mysterious and all this stuff. I I would like to know more about that character for sure. Um, yeah. It definitely, it definitely does. Uh, it does fit with the moral of the story, which is more, which is the I'm not doing it for her, I'm doing it for me kind of thing. Um, but I do agree. I would like to know more about Ramona. And I think because we know more about Knives, I feel like more people would be like, he should be with Knives, even though she's underage at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. like they seem more like a team um, by the end. And then Ramona was just like this thing that he's been chasing the whole time. So it's like, yeah, I guess it's more satisfying. To get it to yeah. Her. That was my other thing is in that final fight, knives shows up and it's her and Scott doing the big fight against Gideon rather than yeah. Scott and Ramona, which I think thematically would make more sense uh, because, and it kid asks if she has more agency in the comics. I believe she does. Again, it's been a long time since I've read them. Mark could probably answer that, but um, there's a, there's a big thing in the comics where Gideon reveals that he has a secret plan to create his own army of evil ex-girlfriends and Ramona is going to be added to that sort of pantheon uh. <laughs> that he has. Um, so he's really more the stand in for like the manipulative abusive relationship. And that's part of where the microchip comes from. Uh, I think uh, Ramona, like being unable to get out of yeah, this, this okay, shitty situation to the point where she literally has to yeah, run away. Um, and yeah, what I love about this movie especially is it's extremely strong use of metaphor. Everything in this movie I think is uh, translates really excellently because, and they talk about this briefly, to me the whole movie is about sort of emotional baggage yeah. and getting into a new relationship and that thought in your head of like whenever you start dating someone new, you have to realize you're probably not the first person who's, who's dated yeah. them. And you have to think like, well, who she dated before, or maybe you find out who they've dated before and you have to think like, oh, I'm not even as, I'm not as good as this guy. Or like, am I really going to be, if she couldn't make it with that guy, how's she going to make it with me? Um, This is spelled out like with Lucas Lee, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a movie star. How how am I going to stack up to a movie star? Um, And that's, I think the core internal struggle for Scott when he's fighting the boyfriends, it's, you know, metaphor for his internal struggle being like, how am I going to be? the special guy yeah um as opposed to all these other super powerful cool dudes who ramona has dated especially when he got dumped by uh envy actually for one of those dudes (laughs) which he didn't know at the time yeah exactly um yeah that's that was probably a big fight for scott too right there (laughs) trying to 
Yeah, he just sort of <laughs> leaves her hanging. That, there is a weird moment uh, where at the end of their fight where he calls her Natalie and she's like, nobody calls me that anymore. And he goes, maybe they should. And he leaves. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. I didn't fully get what was going on there. Because um, she sucks is yeah. the thing. Brie Larson plays yeah, her very well. Um, and she really hams it up, which I think works. Um, oh, Mark makes a good point. The movie was written before, before the final book released. Yeah. Um, actually, to be uh, a little peek behind the curtain, Mark and I have been friends for a very long time. And like Scott Pilgrim was one of the foundational pillars of our relationship <laughs> when we started becoming friends. I remember we were at camp and like must have been like middle school or before high school or something. And he brought the final Scott Pilgrim book to camp and he's like, this is going to be a movie. And you know, this is the last book. And I was like, Oh shit. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's, that's sort of a little Matt Beebe lore right there. Backstory. I love it. Yeah. Um, um, where were we? Where were we? Oh, we're talking about <laughs> we're jumping all over yeah, the place. We are jumping uh, all over the place. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. But, I definitely saw some more flaws this time around. I feel like it was. Pro- I wasn't like not the best mood when I watched this time. So I definitely was like, I feel like I was <laughs> like my garbage mood was being like, oh, that's a little worse than it was when I saw it last time, and that's a little worse. Um, mm-hmm. so I, but I just attributed mostly to my garbage moves. So, so I was just like, oh, I'll just give it five stars again. I, I don't have time to think about this. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, movies are subjective yeah. and like, if, if you love the movie, then you love the movie. And like, I have criticisms of movies that I consider five stars. It's not like, you know, yeah, it, exactly. Not it, that could be the perfect. movie is destroyed. I'm not, I'm not Ben Shapiroing You're Scott ben Shapiro versus right the world now. right now. I can't like it. I, I'm not destroying it with facts and logic. This is a a fun discussion about. A I can't good like movie. it or I'll get canceled. They're spamming hashtag cancel John George right now because I gave it five stars. Oh my god! Jeez, be <laughs> Ben Shapiro at the movie, BB. I'm, I'm screwed. Ah, oh, damn. Uh, we know whenever Ben Shapiro goes after something, it's definitely done forever. <laughs> um, but something I love about this movie is the cast. It's the cast is so good. Um. And yes. rewatching, I was on the table read. Kieran Culkin wasn't there, and I was so sad because obviously Wallace is my favorite character. Um, but watching it, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like all these, the actors are pretty big at the time this came out, but they're even bigger now. Like there are a bunch of Marvel superheroes in here, or two of them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you get you get a look at this cast, and it's absolutely stacked. Yeah. And I don't think we even realized it at the time, but like every main character is is a really great actor and f- perfectly fits the oh, role. Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Sarah's just, <laughs> I feel like he's just born to play Scott Pilgrim. Like, he's so good. Michael Sarah plays, like, well, the same character in every movie, but it's fine. That's true. <laughs> that's actually one thing I want to bring up is that Scott Pilgrim, as the character, is very different in the movie than the book. Um, and I think it generally works for the movie. In the movie, he's very passive and very whiny. And in the book, he's more confident. They make a point of saying that he's the best fighter in Toronto. Oh so that it makes sense when he starts beating the shit out of people. (laughs) Um, Whereas in the movie, it's just like, I guess he fights now. The movie is kind of like Um, an asshole sometimes. That's the, I do agree with that review is kind of an asshole, but that's the point (laughs) because he's, yeah, no, that's absolutely the thing is like, and it works for his character because like, I think a lot of guys like this Scott Pilgrim character who are sort of whiny and passive don't realize they're being an asshole a lot of the time. 
And so they can get in a situation like, oh, no, I'm the little meek guy. How could how could anyone think I'm an asshole or I'm mean? I'm not a big, mean yeah. jock. Um, but, yeah, it's it's one of those things um, where I think the movie portrays that kind of accurately. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, just it, God, every I feel like every cast member has like a moment to shine too. where you're just like, oh, that was funny. Like mm. every single one of them, I can think of like a funny moment from them. Aubrey Plaza's in this movie. God, it's just so. There's so many people you just remember. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza, Anna Kendrick, um, Brendan Routh is is the rare Brendan Routh shows up. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, uh, which is great. Um, Ellen Wong's great as Knives Chow uh, as well. So yes, she she does do a very good job. Um, and everyone just every, and and her character is definitely interesting. The acting f- fit the style super well too. The editing style, just the whole style of the movie, I felt like everything just fit together. Yeah, so well, well, you can tell Edgar Wright's very much like directs for the edit. Uh, every every cut is built into the script. Basically, yeah. you can tell um, because it's all deliberate, and everything enters and exits frame very deliberately and perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no better shot in any movie than uh, Wallace answering the door and then closing it a little bit and Scott jettisoning himself <laughs> oh out of the God, window. It's so good. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's like, I can't there, even can, there's, have dreamt up something better for that. Is there camera movement in that shot too? There actually is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Edgar Wright actually tweeted out recently a, their test for it. So it's like a cardboard set and Edgar plays the role of Wallace and so, like, he has the door open wide, and then he closes it. The camera shifts a yeah. little bit to frame up the window and the crack on the door. And, you know, you get that perfect timing of Scott <laughs> jumping out the <laughs> he window. just left. So good. Oh, it's yeah. so good. I love that. <laughs> um, and, God, the ed- I mean, it's just classic Edgar, right? The editing, um, the sound in it is great using, like, um, the continue sound of, like, 10 nine eight is so good like every time yeah. it's it's used it's just like perfectly used and it's so good yeah uh mark wants us to talk about the music which we will do i want to make a quick mention of the sound design and the all the video game sound effects that are used that are integrated very seamlessly i think um you don't even necessarily have to know that you're listening to zelda music specifically to know that like this is video gamey yeah, sort of sure. This is inside of Scott's subconscious, right? So he knows Zelda music. He knows Final Fantasy. Um, and so, like, uh, just having those little things in there works so mm-hmm. well. Yeah, definitely. You, you'll know. You just hear them all scattered throughout, obviously, which is great. I've, as someone mm-hmm. who plays Zelda like crazy, yeah, it's great to have that in there. But, yeah, music. The music's so good. I love this entire soundtrack and all yeah. the all the original music in it is actually really really great and i i like sex bombs music honestly i'm a sex bomb stan over here <laughs> yeah big sex bomb stan um i actually think my favorite song is the uh clash of demon head yeah, song it's gonna be um yeah brie larson really kills it on that one i think they might have announced that they're doing like a full album release finally like full versions of all the oh, songs nice. i could be wrong about that but if they did that i would be so hype i would be streaming that constantly um, cause the music is, is incredibly good. Just like pop punk, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the Ramona song is great. Um, but specifically, I mean, obviously Ramona. Scott Pilgrim sings one himself, but there's one that's the renditions done by Beck, I think, which is fantastic. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, no, and that's also another great moment where he sings the song yeah. and Ramona goes, I can't wait to hear when it's finished. He goes, uh, when yeah. it's finished? That's also the scene where <laughs> bread makes you fat. Yeah, garbage truck is also yes. great. <laughs> Take you for yeah, a road big fan ride of garbage truck. I actually like... In my garbage truck. I really like the um, song they do against the twins. I think that song is really good. They just don't get to play it very much because it's during a giant yeah, fight scene. because they keep getting knocked back by the big dragons, so... They get interrupted. Yes, the two big dragons. Like, stop interrupting, twins. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, Beck wrote all Sex with Bob music. Oh, that's a nice fact, actually. Oh, hey, fun facts. Huh. Beck. It does sound it. like good something job. Beck would write himself, honestly. <laughs> um, Threshold. Yeah, that's the name of the song, Mark. That song is. That's is there killer. Beck renditions of each song? I bet there is. I feel like we would have heard them by I, now. Unless I haven't looked I just have enough. one for Ramona, maybe. Yes, Mark says yes. Um, oh, okay. We'll have to listen to that then. Thank you for being our fact checker, Mark. <laughs> this helps a lot. Yes, live fact checker. Marty, Marty Scorsese not helping at all, Marty. Come on. You're supposed to be the fact checker, buddy. Um, our producer, Marty Scorsese. Yeah, our, our producer, Martin Scorsese, he's, he's asleep, I think. He's on <laughs> a silent on this Discord call, but I don't know what we don't pay him for is the thing. <laughs> I'm pissed that he's still here, to be honest. I, Dude, Marty, I asked Marty to watch this movie, and he said it had, quote, too many colors. <laughs> and I was like, Marty, Marty, you got to get off this high horse. I watched three and a half hours of Irishman for you. Which is in the Criterion Collection. I know. Congrats, Marty. He's mentioned it five times. Yeah, congratulations. Look, I, all you have to do to get in the Criterion Collection is have less than 10 colors in your movie, <laughs> and you did it. Great. Now you get a special edition with a DVD cover or whatever, all right? Yeah, yeah. You go on the very expensive streaming service that no one can afford. Congrats, Marty. <laughs> well, I guess it's good for Marty because... Uh, Irishman is a Netflix exclusive, so it wouldn't have had a DVD otherwise. So, congrats. Yeah, that's that's true. At least he got something out yeah. of it. Um, what else in Scott Pilgrim do I need to talk about? Um, we brushed over... Uh, we got most of the fights. Vegan stuff is very good. I, I liked in that fight how, like, how much obviously worse Scott was at base yeah, than yeah. Uh, Todd. <laughs> Um, yeah, I do like how often, like, there was at least some fights where, like, Scott was clearly not great, <laughs> um, or he needed help, or yeah. he needed to trick them. Well, he's, like, outclassed in most of the fights, which is part of it. Like, he has to get Lucas Lee to basically, like, suicide yeah. himself. Um, he, he tricks Todd into drinking the, the latte. <laughs> um, once, you once were He a has vegan, help fighting Gideon. Now you will be gone. So good. <laughs> yeah, that favorite is very good. X. <laughs> favorite X. Um, yeah. Great Monorail asks, favorite X. This is a good question. BB, who's your favorite X? I think Todd, actually. I just love the bass mm-hmm. fight. Um, and Todd is extremely good at bass. So it's, it's part of that. I love the vegan angle where he just has mind powers because he's <laughs> vegan. Honestly, Todd's got to be the best one, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The twins are definitely not it. Does Gideon no, even count? Gideon's good, but yeah, it's got to be Todd. Todd's just the most. The vegan angle's hilarious, and the whole, yeah, the whole Todd's thing where he like tries to explain like his cleaning lady the thing is hilarious too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and I, uh, I, I want to mention saying that like um, 
what what was I going to say? Oh, right. That the whole vegan thing, I feel also is a super strong metaphor, like finding out that, you know, Ramona used to date a vegan and be like, shit, I'm not vegan. <laughs> like impressive. this dude must be a fucking like buff superhero <laughs> if he's vegan. Like that's such a clear thought process. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, I just think is so good. Uh, Mark asks favorite book. I assume you mean of the Scott Pilgrim series. Like I said, I haven't read them in years. I am going to get them pretty soon. I'm going to reread them. I'll talk about them on, on this podcast in a few weeks, probably. Uh, but I wouldn't be able to confidently say which of my, my favorite book is Harry is Potter the series. Um, the third, third Harry Potter. Yeah. So prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, that's a great yeah. one. It's a good one. Yep. <laughs> could you imagine if they tried to do Harry Potter in one movie like they did with this? <laughs> oh my God. No way they could do that. Are the Scott Pilgrim books as Seven long as the Harry, Harry Potter, Potter books, though? No, <laughs> yeah. they're not. But it's also like, it's just like Scott Pilgrim covers, the movie covers like a week and a half of time or like maybe two weeks. Uh, and Harry Potter covers seven years. It kid just asked how we oh, feel about kid, J.K. Rowling, which is probably its own podcast at this point. <laughs> Might that's be true. Short answer, she sucks <laughs> and she should stop tweeting. Easy answer. Um, Easy answer. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've I just can't I've never seen someone so like intent on the destruction of their career. Uh, at least like uh, at least George Lucas doesn't tweet. <laughs> um, Scott Pro, another thing I love the visual effects in this movie as well. Just all the ideas for it, like the yeah. coins, is one of my favorite things ever. Just to ex- them exploding into coins yeah. is so satisfying and cool. Yeah, and that's from the books. That's it. that's a great translation from the it. books. Um, yeah, and that's one of the things where, like, I talk about Guardians of the Galaxy too, where it's so CGI heavy, it like hurts my eyeballs. <laughs> um, whereas this, I feel like they're integrated so well because it's. T- tonally and stylistically consistent throughout the whole thing yeah um it's all very video gamey it, it just looks very nice uh it's very flashy which is uh so you're cool. saying if guardians of the galaxy 2 had cgi pac-man there the whole time it would have been better yeah that, that's exactly <laughs> what i said is that if james gunn had just committed to all of guardians of the galaxy 2 being a bunch of video game references <laughs> that would have been all oh, yeah, in absolutely um yeah, I do like, I don't know, I like that this is like, I like when things like t- like narrow their references a little bit more than like, because Gardens of the Galaxy, speaking of that, it's just like a whole 80s like love fest as well as like Stranger Things. Like it's like, here's a bunch of old music and stuff like that and Pac-Man and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy definitely like has sort of an identity crisis in that it's just like 80s things <laughs> it's it's this full decade Remember this decade um, whereas with with scott pilgrim you get like a very focused sort of nerd culture kind of vibe like people who are into this stuff just get yeah. this stuff and it's not because they were just born at a certain time like it's it's a niche that they're they're catering yeah. to um, and I will say one of my brothers is not a huge gamer and likes this movie a lot too, because he thinks it's, it's funny. It's a very funny movie. Oh, it's, it's extremely so funny. funny. Yeah. Like credit where credits do this. I was laughing the whole time I was watching this, even though I'd seen it's it so, so many funny. times, like all the jokes are so yeah, well timed. Timing and on all the jokes are so good. Um, God, I just love, I could, could go through this whole movie and just like laugh at every joke. I love the laugh track stuff was hilarious. Um, and 
Oh, the Seinfeld yeah. bit? Yeah, that one's so out of nowhere, I but I, it's just so like perfectly done that I don't I even know. care. It's so out of nowhere. You're like, why do they think they should do this? But it's like, that's the whole reason why it's brilliant. Is yeah. like, Let's just do this, I guess. He he just got laid, so now he's on yeah, Seinfeld. That's how it works. Whatever you get laid the day after is just like um, a sitcom, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, it's like on Parks and Rec where whenever Ron has sex, he dresses up like Tiger Woods the next day and he's in like a super good mood. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, movie, I just like, I love this movie so much. I, I don't think I, I, yeah. I think this watch made me think uh, maybe I should like slow down on how much I watch this movie because maybe I will get bored of it eventually. <laughs> um, but I, I guarantee if I took like a, year couple year break and i rewatched it i'd just be like god this is such a classic yeah do you feel like your lives are a sitcom ever um i wish it was yeah that'd be fun (laughs) i wish i had like an audience applauding every time i walked into my studio apartment and then i would it would be terrifying, but I'd probably. Get but used I would to it. always get into situations, or else the ratings would go down. So that that would be. That's true. I would have to like find situations <laughs> to get into, <laughs> or else the audience would just start booing or something. I don't know. <laughs> Could you imagine you like magically get a laugh track, and then like you just live your boring ass life, and eventually you're just constantly being booed because you're not being interesting this is, enough. This is actually a good movie idea. It could be like the metaphor of like social media or some shit. You know, it's overdone, but whatever. Like, oh, you're constantly yeah. being followed. This guy's constantly being followed around by an audience now, which is social media because you are. Um, and he's always trying to do like, so now he's followed around by, by an audience and they disapprove every once in a while when he does boring shit. And then he's like, God, I got to go do exciting shit or else they'll be upset. And that's the whole metaphor for Facebook or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and we'll get him. <laughs> Social network two. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. Eisenberg has applause in his head. <laughs> he's very confused. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg's finally snapped. <laughs> From his running of Facebook. <laughs> that's why he's that's why he has like a blank expression on his face all the time, is because he's like listening to what the audience is doing. Are they booing? Are they cheering? Yeah. Too social too. <laughs> Could you imagine like that would be so good. We have a scene where he has to testify in front of Congress <laughs> and he's sitting there and you like at first it's just a normal thing and then suddenly you go into his head and you just hear constant booing <laughs> and he's like you're he's fucking like it up mark the water. He's they like, hate you <laughs> yeah oh. <laughs> it's just like constant noise <laughs> that's so good oh my god yeah. i feel like this is someone should make it they're like there are mental disorder things that like actually actually do similar things i feel like i've heard of one like where people it's actually the mom the actress who plays the mom in Step Brothers she hit her head and now she like hears everything musically like everything's like like sounds like music to her she like hears music and everything um which they actually made a show based off that um and she was a writer on it uh-huh. so i can't steal that idea yeah but. uh I'm going to steer back real quick because Marcus says he could talk about the feminist themes in Scott Pilgrim, uh, and I think that's worth it. I mean, I mentioned before uh, Ramona gets kind of sidelined. She has very little agency in the movie, um, and Scott being sort of an asshole. I, I kind of missed it this time, and maybe we could talk about it. Scott like learns something 
uh, and he gets the power of self-respect at the end. But I kind of missed what his big like moment of uh, like realizing what he'd done wrong or what he needs to do sort of was in that moment. Yeah. So it's obviously when he dies is when it's supposed to be. But yes, yeah, I can't remember what exactly is said that makes him realize that that's what he just has like a moment where he's like, oh, I just got to get all my shit together. And so he gets the extra life, goes straight in. He's like, Neil, you should replace me in the band. Uh, You know, he comes clean to. uh, Yeah. to Yeah. He says sorry to Kim, which was nice. Um, And he just straight up is like. You know, knives. I should have been better to you, Ramona. I should have been better to you. Uh, I'm better now, ha. Um, and so, again, this is with sort of the very fast nature of the film. You kind of, I think, lose that message a little bit. Um, there is that quote: "I feel like I just learned yeah. something," but he might not even really know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where obviously it's Scott's story, so I don't want to be like. Uh, we have to see all other angles in order to get this. But um, having Ramona so heavily featured and yet sort of so not involved is, is kind of where it is because I get the metaphor of the emotional baggage, but making it so literal in the movie makes you ask like, why isn't she doing anything? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is it's more about you than it is about them and their baggage yes i would agree with that and yeah because i mean just from real life experience like getting over people's baggage is not their problem it's it's definitely your issue you have to go through to the point where you have to get yourself to not care about that basically where you're like oh it does not matter i and and having confidence in yourself i agree that there's like it feels like there's no moment in the movie where like Scott should learn that, I guess, um, or like anything obvious. And I do still wish Ramona would have, I think if Ramona was just like, I think if he does end up with knives in the end and Ramona was just like, it would feel like Ramona's more of like a part of the metaphor or something like that, where she was just like passing through to like teach Scott this lesson almost kind of. Yeah, then she almost would become like Manic Pixie Dream Girl, right? Because it's like, I come here, I fix you, and I leave, which I don't think would be the right ending. Mark says talk about the alternate ending. I don't remember what that is, unfortunately. the alternate ending is him getting with... I think they recorded both endings, him with either Knives or Ramona. So Uh, I imagine that's it. Yeah, I don't don't think him getting with Knives really makes sense. Yeah, Knives ending up with Scott and said, "I I don't really like that. One, because... Knives was clearly like Scott working through some shit. Everyone yeah. through the movie is constantly like, she's your fake girlfriend. Like he's only doing this cause he's trying to bounce back from, uh, from envy. And so, and as someone who's kind of like been in a relationship like that before him falling back with knives, um, even after they've worked stuff out is, is still not strong to me, especially because she's a high schooler and like, even though Scott's younger than us, he's 22. I, I still feel like that's not so super <laughs> yeah. appropriate. Um, I, I like uh, the ending we got with Ramona a lot. I actually think that's one of the strongest metaphors in the movie. And I hate that I'm using the word metaphor so much. I sound like a high school <laughs> teacher. Um, but them going through the door together. And that ending is so perfect because it's like, we're agreeing right now that like we're going to be in this relationship. And we don't know where that leads, where it ends but we're going to 
take this leap. We're going to go through the door. Um, and we're not going to keep doing this wishy-washy, like sort of figuring out, you know, we're going to be constructive rather than destructive, which is sort of what they've been for the whole movie. Yeah. I would thinking more about Ramona and like all her exes and like clearly, I mean, even when you bring up the, the Gideon thing being, being sort of sort of representing like an abusive relationship and stuff like that. Like, I feel like there are strong themes there for Ramona to get over as well. Not just Scott. Obviously the story's about Scott. Yes. But I do agree that like there are some things that Ramona probably still has to get over trauma. She has to get over as well in the story. And, but there Mm -hmm. is none of that. You're right. It's she's just here to progress Scott's story almost. Yeah. It's uh, it's, and it's not like, you know, this is not like the easiest conversation to have. And like, this is something that you kind of stew on. So I don't want to say we're going to like crack it, here but um i think that angle especially um her relationship with all her exes and how she sort of has to get over some of that too uh and they they bring it up how she's always the one who dumps the guy Mm -hmm. instead of uh them dumping her she clearly has some issues with that that we never really get a glimpse into um so yeah the give us the ramona cut (laughs) edgar the ramona cut please I'm a mad fanboy, and that means I get what I want. <laughs> right, give it to us. Uh, give it to everyone now. G- go on Twitter and harass <laughs> Edgar. No, I'm kidding. Do not say that big boy um, movie sent him. All right. Yeah, say big boy movies demands the Ramona cut. You ha- he has to actively go out, get the actors back, and remake this movie. Uh, Mark says they dig into Ramona way more in the books, which I figured. Like, I the books obviously have way more time to say whatever they want about all these characters whereas the movie the movie yeah. they obviously have to pick and choose because they don't have that much time uh, which this movie is how long is this movie it's like an hour and 12 it's almost two it's less than yeah, two it's hours almost two it's an hour 52 yeah. um but yeah i def i agree i think especially because ramona like there's clearly a story there to tell with ramona so mm-hmm. it, that is disappointing especially watching it after knowing more about like manic pixie dream girls and all this stuff, like I definitely, yeah, as I've grown up, I feel like Ramona definitely deserves more of a story, even though I, I like Scott's yeah. story a lot. And it's something I've personally been through. Yeah. Obviously I've not fought people's exes, but mentally I've been through the same, not yet <laughs> mentally. I've been through the same challenges Scott <laughs> has been through before. So I related to that heavily. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've also had that thing where, you know, you start dating someone new and you like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, you know, do I have the biggest <laughs> pee-pee? And the answer might be no. And you're going to have to live with that. You're going to have to. You, you're, you're, you could have yeah. the smallest pee-pee in the entire world, but you're going to have to live with it. Yeah. But if you have the biggest heart, that's wow. all that matters. We should write a movie. And on that <laughs> note, I'm going to say... We're done here. So until next time, stay big, you beautiful boys and girls.